This is Israel Balderas coming to you from sunny South Florida. And I am in the studio with one of the most awesomest, can I say that word awesomest? Most awesomest person in the world, Dr. Stephanie Bennett, my friend. How are you? Oh, Israel, it's so good to be here. I'm so happy that we're finally doing this. There's been such a buzz about the Enneagram this past few years. It's like, wow, let's get in on it. You know? I got an idea for the name of the show. You just said it. What? You said there's been a buzz about the Enneagram. Why don't we call the show the Enneabuzz? Oh, I like it. The Enneabuzz. The Enneabuzz. I like that. The Enneabuzz with Dr. B and Izzy B. (laughs) And Izzy B. Well, I think we're going to have some fun with this, Izzy. And um, I know we've both been talking Enneagram for a couple years now, and it's really made a difference in our lives. And... uh, Funny, it's not just a, a little personality typing, it's so much more. And I know that you and I want to talk about it with people because they've been wanting to talk about it with us. Yeah, and it's amazing to me how many people want to or enjoy talking about it because obviously you and I have been talking about it on a personal scale. What does it mean for us, both emotionally and spiritually? But we both work at a university, and I've been amazed at how many Gen Zers not only know about the Enneagram, but they actually are working towards using it as a way to find out how healthy they are. Yeah. Right. And and we, you and I, can feel the stress level rise up <laughs> on campus oh, yeah. as we approach finals. Uh. Um, and so the students that I know, for example, I had a student who's a who's a two on the enneagram, and the issue was we had a, a scheduled exam for like a Monday at six p.m. And I said to everybody, you know, we could move it to three thirty. And, and that way, you know, you, you all could leave early and everybody was like, sure, that sounds great. And I could see in the back of the class, she was like, um, I want to speak up. I don't like the idea, but how do I do this? And I said, um, to this person, you know, please speak up. Uh, if you don't like the idea, that's okay. It's okay for you to say, no, I don't want to have it at three o'clock. I want to have it at six o'clock so that I can study more. And so I kind of pushed her to say, you're right, for me to be healthy as a two, I have to stand up and say, no, Mr. B, I'd like to keep the exam at the same schedule. And, but that was a good way for her to know that she was being healthy. Exactly, exactly. And how about the threes? I had I had a couple of uh, students who are in their dominant three personality uh, during this past couple of weeks with heavy final exams and final papers. And so um, they get uh, 94 on their portfolio and come knocking at my office door with, Dr. B, um, could you show me where I went wrong? <laughs> you know, And I sit down with them and I just, I love it. They're so precious and dear that they, they want to do better. But you could tell that three personality of having to succeed to the max. An A wasn't enough. Why wasn't it 100? And so I had to explain to her the levels. What is superb, superlative? What is really solid A? What's maybe A minus? And you get those two, right? Yeah, and for the eights, my students, they're the ones that on the next day, they want to know what they got on the exam. Oh, yeah. Right? They're yeah. they're, yeah. they're knocking, hey, have you graded yeah. my exam? And it's I'm the like, only thing you have to do, I, right? I've got an exam <laughs> later on today. I'll try to get to it. And when are the grades going to be turned in? When are, they want to know that, right? Because they right. want to know their grade. That's right. But what I've enjoyed as a college professor is not only to see these young people work towards 
healthiness, mm-hmm. but to also understand sort of who they are. Because mm-hmm. I think the Enneagram helps you to understand I'm a creative, so therefore this is my world and it's okay. Yeah. And, and by the way, we should probably right off the bat tell everybody because, you know, we it, the number one rule <laughs> in Enneagram, you don't tell other people what their number is. Right, right, right. Uh, but this is going to be a, a, a tough Enneagram podcast because... Wait, wait, wait. Do you want to really tell them our numbers right up front or do you want to build some suspense so they can figure it out? Maybe there's some people listening as you who don't even know what the heck the Enneagram is. So why don't we start first with what is the Enneagram? What does it mean? I mean... So you mean you you want to start with a 30,000 feet view, which by the way, it's a hint. (laughs) What her number is. <laughs> no, actually, you're absolutely right. We should start at the beginning, uh, tell people a little bit about ourselves. Sure. So let's start with you because you've been studying. You are a professor, so not only are you a student of the Enneagram, but I say that you are now a doctor of the Enneagram. <laughs> but you don't like it when I do that. That's too much pressure on you. Well, it is a lot of pressure because I've only been studying the Enneagram for a couple of years. And granted, it's been a really deep dive. The first year I read 13 books. Um, and just, you know, <laughs> it's been a deep dive and maybe listen to a hundred different podcasts. But um, I can't say doctor of the Enneagram. It's kind of fun if you say doctor of the Enneagram. But knowing that I got my doctorate 20 years ago and what that entailed, uh, mm, no, I have a long way to go with the Enneagram, but we do know something that we can pass on and we can share, and you've been studying it just as long, and I love the fact that you uh, that you shared with everyone that it's all about health. Uh, it's about health and wholeness, not just physical health. It's about becoming truly who we are and getting to know who we truly are and moving from what oftentimes is a healthy, unhealthy place emotionally and or spiritually to a much healthier whole place, a place where wholeness reigns and we don't feel, you know, fragmented and pulled apart, which uh, is so easy for all of us to do in our busy, busy, busy world. Everybody's busy, no matter if you're on campus or you're in business and and corporations or the church, everybody's busy, aren't Mm -hmm. they? Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. And I think for me, what has helped with the Enneagram is not just to understand me, but then to also understand other people and to extend grace, right? Absolutely. That that, uh, regardless of your religious beliefs, Mm -hmm. we can all at least in the realm of individuality and understanding, we can say, I'm dealing with another person, another human being. Mm -hmm. So therefore, Mm -hmm. tell me your story Mm -hmm. so that I can understand more about what you believe, what you think. Right. And then that way you and I can have a civil conversation. Exactly. Exactly. So um, by way of introduction, let me tell you a little bit about um, my co-anchor here. Do we call it anchor in podcast land? Um, co-host. My co-host. That's it. My friend, Israel Balderas, is the consummate professional. He is a broadcast journalist that goes way back, not too bad back because he's not too old he's still quite young and dapper and um yet I, thank you <laughs> uh, every day i see more and more gray hair so you're no. very kind but i am i'm really honored to be here with him um and doing something that is fun in our field our field is a little it's the field of communication but we've gone professionally in little bits of different places and i'm just i'm really thrilled to be here working working with you and i have to say i wish because you introduced me to the Enneagram 
two years ago, and without diving too deep into like you know exposing myself the way you know Paul Simon says in Graceland, you know where you your the window to your mm. heart is revealed for mm. everybody mm. to see how broken it is. You introduced me to the Enneagram at a time when I was separated from my wife, and you're good friends with my wife. Yes, and so you were walking with both of us separately, respectfully, not taking sides but saying, I love you both, Absolutely. and I want your marriage of 20 years yeah. to be restored. Absolutely. And so you were there for us, and you were there for me. Uh, you've been my mentor professionally. You've been my friend uh, personally. And then, of course, you were my counselor um, in this very difficult time. And the good news is that my wife and I did reconcile at the, at the beginning <laughs> of 2019. But it had to do a lot with the Enneagram. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, obviously, Brene Brown also yeah, yeah. helped, uh, and then my my personal uh, spiritual beliefs helped. But yeah. I think for me, that's I I found the Enneagram at a time when I was at my lowest, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. other people might find mm-hmm. Enneagram at other points in their life. Exactly, you can come regardless of where you are in your life to this idea of exactly. the Enneagram. Exactly, because we're always learning, we're always growing. I like to call it, we're, we're always in the groaning. You know, people say, oh, I want to grow. I want to grow spiritually. I want to grow emotionally. You know what? (laughs) I have found in my life that when I grow, it's in the groaning. And I think that um, that's a good phrase for the Enneabuzz here because um, the nine personality types uh, that make up the Enneagram have such... Um, the strengths of each do- of each dominant place are so obvious, and we say, "Yeah, I'm maybe I'm a six, and I'm a loyal person." Um, uh, but there's another side, the weak or low side of uh, each dominant number, and we know when we get into that. Uh, maybe let's say a normally sunny personality might find themselves just complaining and annoyed at everything and not know why they keep falling into that. And uh, by studying the Enneagram and looking closely at these numbers, and uh, it, it really helps us with self-awareness and be able to, like you, you mentioned Brene Brown before, really walk in a little bit more vulnerability than we're used to or that most of us are comfortable with. And I think the Enneagram helped me to be okay with being more vulnerable. Yeah, I I really do believe that. I think if I had you know started, if somebody had said, "Hey, here's Renee Brown, and right. you know you should read her so you can understand vulnerability and you can understand how you know that could help you in your marriage," I would have been like, eh, "Forget it." Mm-hmm. But with Enneagram, I understood sort of the healthiness and the unhealthiness, right, of my personality, and so therefore I could say, "Okay, uh, I, I." I will admit that I am unhealthy, so therefore, let me be vulnerable, right? With, with, with and, and struggle with that, right? Um, what what's your elevator pitch to people who are new to the Enneagram? Because obviously, people found this podcast because they were searching for something you know related to the Enneagram, right? But how do you how do you sort of you know simplify it and say this is what it is? Sure, sure. Well, let's take Martha Word first. Enneagram. Basically, Ania, E-A-N-N-A, is a Latin root for nine. And gram refers to grammar. It's the same etymology as grammar. So it's like nine words or grammars of uh, understanding personality. Now, it would be silly to think that there's only nine types of personality in the whole entire world, and you've got to be one of them. 
And if that's what you are, then you're stuck there. And that's quite reductionist, right? But there's much nuance in each of these dominant personalities. And so there's wings on either side. There's places that we go in strength uh, and security. There's places that we go in weakness and stress. And so we start out really by saying, like, let's look at this diagram of nine different personality types and see which one we fall into. Most people will take a look and uh, say, oh, I think I'm three or four of them. Or I'm six or eight of them. Well, that's because we all function in a variety of ways throughout our life in different seasons. But there is always a dominant one. One that um, really goes back to our childhood. And we don't usually find that out through our, our behavior today or how we are thinking today. We go back by thinking about what are my motivations? Why do I do what I do? Why do I fall into this kind of terrible place of annoyance or anger or fear all the time? And when we learn and understand the motivation, then we can begin in that self-awareness to start to grow. So I guess that's not really an elevator pitch, but it is just a little introduction to why we might study the Enneagram and how how it can help. There's much more, of course. But I, I want you obviously to react to that, Izzy, but I also want our listeners to know that, you know, we're learning too. So as they come to our site and leave comments or tell us what their number is, what they think their number is, to remember, if they've got something that they know about the Enneagram that they didn't hear or they want to correct something, to do it. Let us know. Tell us what they think because we're learning too. We're continuing to grow. We do not know it all, but we are willing to share what we do know. And it's interesting because I, you know, like everybody else, you go on the internet, you take this test. At first you think it's one of many tests that I've taken throughout my life, whether, you know, it's um, that I am an IJC, NB, whatever. Right. Or, Myers-Briggs. <laughs> Myers-Briggs yeah. or whatever test. And I think when you start sort of saying this is, these are my, my basic ideas, these are my basic emotions, for me, the way I, I sort of discovered that I am a four in the Enneagram is not so much because, you know, I oh, I like to call myself the artist or the creative or the romantic, but it was because of the basic fears, the basic desires, right? So for me, the, the basic fear that you, I have no identity, that I have no identity uh, or personal significance without my wife or without my job as a journalist, and, and that's how I discovered it for me. But I take it, people can discover it in many different ways, mm-hmm. right? As yeah. For some in sort of, let's say, the religious community, the Enneagram numbers also associate with your basic sin. Right. Right. So for a four, it could be ordinary or, or being ordinary or envy. Right. Envious of others. Self-absorbed is another one. Right. For the four. Yeah, very good. Well, why don't we just kind of go around the diagram and, and call out and, and name what these are without going into depth, and uh, and then we can take it from there. Yeah. Because uh, there's these nine types, um, 
the first, second, and third, you know what, rather than even talk about the, the triads, just the nine types. Um, and go from one yeah, to nine. To nine. Um, why don't I list them yeah. and then I'll come back and then you yeah. can explain them, right? So good. you've got the one that is the perfectionist or also called the reformer, the judge, the critic. You've got the two that could be described as the helper, uh, the nurturer, or the manipulator. The three is the achiever, the one who performs uh, who, or who's a status seeker. And then the four, myself, the artist, the romantic, the individualist, also the creative one. Five is the thinker, the, the observer, the investigator. Um, then six, you've got the loyalist, the skeptic, even the questioner. Those are the three words that are related to the six. The seven, ah, the adventurer, the enthusiast. I call those, because you and I have lots of seven friends, the party goers. Yeah. Uh, number eight is the maverick, the challenger, the leader. And then number nine is the peacemaker, the mediator. Um, so why don't we go one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. And then from there, we can talk about other things like wings. Yeah. And then the triad. So number one, the, the reformer, the judge, the critic. Well, yeah. Your thoughts on that? Yeah. Well, first of all, um, you know, anybody who's a one doesn't want to be called a perfectionist. And so that little, that title or that label there, even though I'm not a one, that bothers me. And I just want to say to start that no matter what dominant personality you are, uh, some of these labels, all of these labels are going to bother you <laughs> because there's something about each one that is just, it's not positive. It's like, for instance, perfectionism has a negative connotation. Um, uh, perfectionist is judgy, right? And, and, and critical. Uh, but the truth is a one, a person with that dominant foundation of personality just wants to make things better. They want to do things right. They believe there's a right way to do things and they always want to make them better for others, not just for themselves, but for others. Um, they want to reform, make things better. I'm sure some of the Protestant reformers were, uh, were ones fell into this category, maybe Calvin or Luther. Um, the two, and, and let me just say the one, as in all of them, as we mentioned before, there's these high sides and these low sides. But the average, just kind of average space that that personality resides in is to to want to do things right. 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 And and that's the thing is that it sounds good to say I want to make things right. I want to strive for higher to improve everything. Where you start crossing into unhealthy behavior is when you start using the word should. Right. So it's not so much about I want to improve things. You should dot, dot, dot. Exactly. Right. And so then at that point, you start going from I want to be good uh, and I don't want to do the wrong things to now you're crossing into unhealthy behavior. Right. Uh, and you can become highly dogmatic. Yes. You can become highly judgmental. Exactly. Right? Um, or critical. Mm -hmm. And it's one thing to be critical of yourself. It's another thing to be critical of others because right. then that starts costing relationships. It does. And the lowest side of that one is, is that they have an inner critic. That's kind of the defining. You know, we all have that voice once in a while, I think, in our head, sometimes more than others, that says, oh, you could have done better. You're not good enough. But the person from the dominant one personality always has it 
always has. Oh, you did this well? You got an A, you could have gotten an A+. Plus. Oh, you cleaned the kitchen? Well, you didn't shine the baseboards. Oh, you know, and it's a, it's, it, they really struggle from a childhood wound um, that leaves them with a lie. And the lie is you're not good enough. There's a fundamental flaw. Right. It's being right. a flaw. That's, you know, yeah. Mr. Spock from yeah. Star Trek is exactly. a good example of that. And it's interesting because when you look at examples of what ones are, uh, you've got everything from Confucius and Plato, which they've certainly made the world much better. Oh, yeah. They've improved it with yeah. their ideas to, for example, extremist uh, like Osama bin Laden. Yeah. Right. He wanted to improve the world. Yeah. But definitely his way was nowhere close to, exactly. for example, uh, Amahatma Gandhi. Exactly. Right? So that's one. Those are the worlds. That's the world of, of a one. And of course, yeah. throughout our season, we'll explore uh, more in depth as we go. Exactly. Episode by episode. And we'll tackle. Exactly. Each number. And we'll have guests. We have some good surprises for you coming up. We have some fine guests that we're going to be talking about. Each one a different personality. Um, a yeah, dominant who, personality. Who's who's like if you could have anybody and talk about their enneagram, who would be your get? You know, no, a news we call it, uh, get. You know, that's the get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who would who would be for you that one person that you're? Well, like? I mean, I'd I'd love to have Suzanne Stabile come in and talk to us and talk. You know. Oh talk to come her. on, you okay. you know more than Suzanne Stabile. Oh, no, 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 no way. But I think you know I have to choose someone who's dead. I think Thomas Merton would be the person that I'd love to have in. It has to be someone who's alive, <laughs> who if they called in, because people are going to probably call in, if they called in, you'd be speechless, which for a professor, that's very oh, hard wow. to Oh, wow. I'd be so, speechless? Yes. You'd be like, I, 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 oh my goodness, so-and-so is on this podcast. Who oh, would be? Oh, gosh. I. Th- uh, oh, my goodness. Maybe Sting? Sting, you okay? Oh, yeah. My jaw would drop it with Sting, or even Chris Bodie. You know his his trumpet player. Yeah. <laughs> How uh, about you? Mine. Okay, you're gonna you're gonna think I'm a, a little geeked out here. Uh, but for me, I've got two. Okay. Um. So number one, I am a big fan of Ryan Reynolds, okay. the actor. Okay. So I I happen to think he is a certain number, but his personality and everything about him, I you know that'd be one. And then I would love, love, love to have somebody who has played characters that I love. And the, and, and the, and the character that I most admire in sort of fantasy land is Captain Jean-Luc Picard of Star Trek. Oh. Right? And so, um, see, the, the, actor, the actor that plays uh, Jean-Luc Picard from Star Trek just escaped me. Of course, we're here on... Um, <laughs> Live name? podcast. That's uh, what it's all about. Yeah, Jean Jean Luc Picard, Picard is played by. Uh, I, I lost. Um, what is his name? Uh, What's his name? What's I, his name? It's, it's going to strike me right now. Uh, Patrick Stewart. <laughs> oh my goodness. Ah, uh, okay. You well, can tell that this was live because. <laughs> see, that's how I would be though if I had Patrick Stewart on the show. Yeah, well, that's okay, because you know what? Conversation is much more fun to be a part of than just a kind of monologue. Yeah. Um, and so I hope, I, I like that. Well, All right, so we talked about the one. What yeah. about the two, the helper? Okay, the helper. That's a, that's a harsh word, the manipulator. Well, you know, let's talk about... Or the nurturer. Yes, let's ha- talk about what happens here. The two just has a generous heart. That's their gift. They just, they love to give. They love to pour out. They're usually very generous, gifted people who love to help and love to connect with others. Everything for them in their life is about relationship. 
So I think a lot of people could say that, uh, oh, my life is all about relationship. But twos, it really is. Because what happens is when they begin, they keep giving and giving and giving and pouring out and pouring out. And they're the last person there usually to help clean up the dishes and the last person there to clean up the books. And, you know, then it doesn't come back to them. When it doesn't come back to them, it stirs up resentment and they begin to get really upset and angry. And they're in what we're, we call the feelings triad, where the feelings just really take them down. And that's, uh, the, you feel it in the heart, mm-hmm. right? When you, right. When you, talk, you talk about the that. The heart um, triad. Mm-hmm. And I can relate to a two in that I have lots of friends, for example, who are pastors. And then I relate to the pastor's wife, usually, or the people who work in children's ministry, or the ones who volunteer at the homeless shelter, or mm-hmm. those are the people that I can think of that are always wanting to help, right? That they're they're always wanting to make sure that did you have your lunch? Did you right. eat? You know right. what I mean? I do. Yeah, I do. When it's I, almost like every Mexican grandma is yeah. a two. You know what I mean? Well, or Italian grandma too, like <laughs> yeah. the Mexicans and the Italians. Well, actually, just truth be told, when I first took the test um, a few years ago. I came up as a two, like a two, and the second one was a seven. I was like, oh, okay. But the deeper I went into reading about that, I realized that wasn't true. Um, you know, when we get to my number, you know, it's, it's <laughs> the low side of it is bad enough, so I won't go there now. But the two, the reason it becomes manipulative in the low side or the stress side of that personality is because they need to be needed. To be loved. Need to be needed feel and loved, loved to yeah. feel love, and so if they're not getting that, they will do things, give gifts, and just do all kinds of things to get that sense that they're loved and they're needed. So it can become, it can become manipulative, and so this is a very hard thing to admit, and even to see for yeah. someone who is a two who is truly a generous person, because obviously it's not always that way, you know. Yeah. And, and twos want to be closer to others. Yes. I guess it becomes unhealthy when they, it starts being self-serving, right? And it can get codependent. Like yeah. uh, if any of them, I guess any of them can get codependent, you know, codependent where you just, um, you just cling to someone. You said it at the beginning of our podcast is that, you know, you just are defined by what you do. Well, the two easily can be defined by who loves them and who they... You know, defi- yeah. and so when they don't get that, they begin to have all the problems associated with codependency. And that's the wounded woundedness is that at some point in their lives they felt unworthy, right, of being loved. And it's interesting when you look at examples of twos, lots of artists out there, right? Uh, you've got Lionel Richie, uh, John Denver, Stevie Wonder, Barry Manilow. Wow. Whoa. Uh, Dolly Parton. And usually, um, when you think of artists, they have one face to the public on stage but when they are away from the stage mm-hmm. right it's mm-hmm. depending on their healthiness mm-hmm. um they yeah can, you know they sort of have that broken heart all right so that's a two well one thing one one list, last thing about the two is um there's a lie that the two believes and that lie is you are only valuable in so far as you give yourself to others mm. and so sometimes it's helpful to figure out your number based on what is the lie you always tell yourself. And that's the lie that two tells. So what about three? So three would be the achiever, the performer, or the status seeker, 
uh, and and for the three, mm. um, I guess success, right? They are success oriented. Success oriented. They must succeed. It, if we start with the lie that they believe, it's you are your success. You are your achievements. Mm. So typically threes are high achievers, or if they haven't been able to achieve anything, they are miserable um, and really living on the low side of three because the three just wants to do everything excellently. And hey, who doesn't want to do things with excellence? But the three so thrives on it that they just can't cope with you know, with themselves, if they're not succeeding, they'll find any way to succeed. And they are usually wonderful people to have on your team because what team doesn't want to succeed, right? So you need threes in the world. The problem with the threes is that they are sometimes called shapeshifters in the low side of that personality when they're feeling low, when they're feeling unappreciated, or when they're losing and not winning they will kind of shift their shape to become anything anybody else wants them. Hmm. You know, and one way of looking at that, which is the sin involved there, is deceit. But another way of looking at that, too, it, it very often starts with just a desire to give people what they need and want in a very selfless way, you know. Yeah. so uh, and, and it's so funny because, uh, like, some of the examples yeah. uh, here, you know, you got somebody as powerful as Augustus Caesar. Whoa, hail Caesar. Um, and, and, and no value judgment here, but when you were talking about shape-shifting, yeah. uh, Bill Clinton. Uh, <laughs> it's not me that's saying that. that uh, uh, but uh, who else do I have here? Uh, O.J. Simpson, by the way. Tiger Woods. Yeah. Um, I mean, Lance Armstrong. Wow, yeah. some of these people. Some I'm, athletes it, there. I was going to say. Yeah. Um, winning athletes. Winning people. Yeah, people. I would say winning athletes, especially like Olympic athletes. When you talk about, like, I have to win. Right. I have to be the best. Right. You have to have that determination. That determination. Right. But eventually, that determination can be very unhealthy. Right. Right. Because what you're fearing is you're fearing failure. And if you don't achieve that goal, you're done. And if you're not healthy, then that's it. Your yeah. whole world collapses. Yeah. And you can live in a very depressive state and not know why you're so depressed. And people could say to you, why aren't you enjoying your success? Look, you just got your master's degree or you just did this and achieved this high. And they just are thinking about the next thing, about achieving the next thing. So it's very hard for them, threes in, in their regular space or their normal space, to just be satisfied and happy with and celebrate the present because they're always thinking about the next achievement. All right, number four, the artist, the romantic, the individualist. Um, yeah, you know, if you want to describe me in, in all those ways, <laughs> that's great. My, my preference is the creative one. Yeah. But uh, but this one is uh, is unique, I think, or at least well, you know, he or why? she believes they are unique. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, why do we think this one is unique? Well, Wait, did you say why do we? Did you stop? Did I, did I, <laughs> I wasn't you said gonna that. I wasn't you said gonna, why do we? I want to make sure. I'm, I'm like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. I wasn't going to give that away, is we? he? No, but you said oh, it. Oh my me. goodness. Okay, fine, fine. We're both fours. Okay, we're both fours on the any buzz. We are. <laughs> that's why we're. So, that's why we get each other. We understand yes. each other. Yes. Well, let me just say something about this uniqueness. The experts 
in the Enneagram that I've listened to or read typically say that there are less fours in the world than there are of any other personality types. And not that they just want to be unique, but they are unique. (laughs) They are special. Okay. They are very sensitive creatives. Very many, many artists. Of course, you can be an artist no matter what personality you are, but many, many artists, musicians, actors are in this in this uh, personality, dominant personality. But it comes from the lie that says you are deficient. Something is missing in you. You are not enough. And so the four personality grows up and tries to make themselves enough by being like standing a standout someone who's different than everybody else. And this is one of the ways I knew I was a four because it really bothered me when I figured out that I was a four. Really? (laughs) It did. Why? Well, because it just seems so (laughs) self-absorbed. You You found your identity. Oh, stop. Stop. Now listen. It's like like you two sings. I still haven't found what I'm looking for, but you found what you've been looking for. Yes. Yes. So just again, again, we could make this whole Enneagram like many people do really reductionist and like, oh, I am my number. No, you are not your number. You are not four. I am not four. You are Israel Balderas. I am Stephanie Bennett. I guess I can, I relate to the number four is a better thing to say. We, well, that's where our dominant space is. Remember we talked about early on the whole Um, that the number arises or the personality arises out of a childhood wound. And the wound for the four says someone special, someone important, a caretaker or a parent or a a, a family, someone wasn't there for you. Someone or someone who was there for you made you feel like, well, you're just one of the bunch. Now, you know, you're not, or you're not, Anything. You're not like anything. For, like for me, it was my father, right? I, I, I was raised by a single parent. And so therefore, um, my father didn't want to have anything to do with me, didn't want to have a relationship to do with me. And, and that was quite painful. Yeah. And, uh, you know. Yeah. But so to, many counseling sessions yeah. later. I, <laughs> right. But to see that. I think I paid thousands and thousands <laughs> of dollars to say, I forgive you, father. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a big deal. That's yeah. a big stinking deal, as my husband would say. Big deal. But um, so that's a perfect example, too. In my case, my mother, my mother and father were both there. And um, they both loved me and took good care of me. But I was one of six. So it's like the oldest of six, you have to care for the rest. You, you know, any parent knows like six kids, raising six little kids within a span of nine years. There were six of us within nine years. So my mom had like this little, you know, brood of chickadees following her all around. And I was the oldest. Mm. And so it was my job to help take care of them, which I don't resent. And I'm still very close to my siblings. But that kind of that. I didn't realize this till I dug down and did some work, like you're talking about with counseling. Many years ago, I started looking at this. I couldn't have named it, but that feeling of, well, you're only important because of what you can bring and whatever you bring, you're not enough. You're not enough. And it's a lousy thing, but it's hard to reckon with. Uh, but I think that that's where out of the woundedness and the brokenness comes the sensitivity to others, the creativity. Um, the other name for the four is the individualist, mm-hmm. right? Um, 
you, you asked me why I didn't want to be a four. Well, the first time I ever heard what a four was or what the four's name was, was the tragic romantic. <laughs> I'm like, the tragic romantic? Most everyone that knows me says I'm upbeat and positive. I'm not tragic. And I'm not very romantic, I didn't think. But when I really started doing the work and digging down deeper, I saw, ah, I've covered a lot of that up. You know, so, so all of them are... Um, you know, coming out of a lie that we believe, uh, and that and that is the four. Certainly, when we have another four on, or if we're out of a guest one week, we can talk more about fourness. But let's go to five. Tell All us right. what it. Tell us about five. So the five. You are the thinker, the observer, or or the investigator. Um, and these would be people that, for them, their basic fear is being useless, right? To be helpless. Uh, or that they think, or that someone makes them feel like they are incapable. Uh, right. And they, they just, they want to feel like they are competent. That's right. Uh, and of course, the, the, to, to be really healthy right at the top would be to say, uh, I'm a visionary. Mm-hmm. I'm a visionary and I can lead people to the future. Mm-hmm. Um, you can think of a Steve Jobs, for example, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. In his personal life, lots of tragedy. Yeah. Right, because then if you are the thinker, you're not feeling. Right. right, everything is in your head. Right, I'm doing. I'm 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 putting out the iPod and I'm doing a new Mac. Right, thinking and, about everything. And so Analyzing he forgot. Everything. You know, in the bio, mm-hmm. his famous biography by mm-hmm. Walter Isaacson mm-hmm. left his family behind, left his daughter yeah. behind. Yeah, right. But that's the world between the visionary. Right. And the I don't have time for anybody. That's right. And so the thinker or um, the five personality, it's not that they don't feel. Every single number, every single um, personality type feels. Every personality type thinks. And every personality type does. I mean, if you have a body, you have to do, right? But it's just that the primary way of being in the world for the five is through the intellect. It's through thinking. They will go to feeling or doing after that but can very often get stuck in the analysis, stuck in the intellect. And the lie that they grew up with believing was you are what you know. You are uh, how you prove yourself intellectually. Yeah, and they get excited, by the way. Yeah. Right? They get excited about learning. These are the people that if you go to a party, uh, they will tell you what books they read. And for a four, like me, with a five wing, I can have great conversations about those individuals who are in book clubs. Yeah. I could literally, I could ignore everybody else, be in a corner with that person who actually loves to impart their knowledge. Yeah. Now, when you're looking at unhealthiness, they become obsessed. That's right. Right? Uh, That's right. and, And they could also become reclusive. Isolated. Right. And that's that's where you don't want right. to go. You want to go to a place where you um, you are attaining skillfully uh, these these things. Right. You become a master of X, Y, and Z. And and you enjoy telling people about that. Exactly. And and there's the really high side of this too. I mean, the you know, you kind of stereotypical five is like your librarian type with horn rim glasses and digging down deep in the stacks a la 70s and 80s, right? Digging deep in the stacks in the library and just going for every little last piece of knowledge that they can and being able to sit there for eight hours and do that and not being satisfied if they don't until they have every little last piece of knowledge. But can you imagine and think of how important this is for our discoveries and our innovator innovations and, and, uh, and we need this kind of deep intellectual 
desire Mm -hmm. in our world. And uh, I can relate because I've got a five wing too. I mean, so this is where you and I are so similar. You know, I think as you get older, um, you get kind of, you can get balanced with both wings. So kind of the three on one side and the five on the other. And I see, I see pieces of that in both of us. Yeah. And when you think of fives, you think of Albert Einstein, you think of Stephen Hawking, uh, people who obviously were great visionaries, or a good writer like Stephen King, which sometimes you think, holy cow, how did how was he able to write that? But again, <laughs> it's it's uh, these are people who really just love to come up with something new, like right. a Tim Burton. Yeah, you know when he first came onto the scene, yeah. he was directing these movies. Wow, completely different. So yeah. that's the five, right? Yeah. The thinker number six, uh, everyone's best friend, Even the loyalist, right. the that's skeptic, right. also. And the person who questions. Right, um, right. This person is really risk averse. Um, and they are also in that head triad or the intellectual or the intellect um, where thinking comes first. And so sometimes thinking can lead to such worry and anxiety. It really finds its uh, culmination in that personality, in the sixth personality. Um, so the high side is that really loyal, committed, dedicated person who is thorough and really wants to bring and will bring all that you need from them. But then they also tend to get high anxiety mm. if they can't fix things or bring that solution. Um, and it's it, it, their lie, the lie that they grew up believing, whether mom and dad taught it to them or not. Because a lot of times our childhood wounds, it's not like our parents' fault, but we are each individuals. And we, children, like, pull their information about themselves from all different areas. So the six, the person with the dominant six personality, grew up believing, I'm not safe. It's not a safe world. Or my life is not stable. Right. Right. So maybe these are the kids who maybe moved around a Mm -hmm, lot. Maybe mm -hmm. dad or mom had a job. Yeah. Um, So that could be sort of the the wound of their their childhood wasn't stable. Right. Maybe they went to a lot of different schools and elementary. Exactly. And and to achieve healthiness, you want to be able to have strong emotions, right? And then to be able to dedicate um, maybe yourself Maybe to a movement. Mm-hmm. Maybe take risks. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. That's growth. Growth. And uh, again, so r- so risks are growth. Right. Six. Right. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. And so what I what I know about the six is is that they're like they've been described as the salt of the earth, like the people who are those stalwart, you know, wonder wonderful people that everyone needs friends who are sixes, people you can count on. Um, Mark Twain is a good example, yeah, by the way, yeah. of a six. Um, who else? Who else is a six? <laughs> I, I'm i seeing that it's Richard Nixon. I, oh. I, I think that was the unhealthy <laughs> uh, part. Uh, but uh, J.R. Tolkien is a good yeah. example. Ooh, Tom Hanks. Oh, I love yes, Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks. You know See, what? Salt salt we should earth. have Tom Hanks on the oh, show. He, oh, my gosh. That is the person, even more than Thomas Merton. Sally Field, Tom Hanks, and Meg Ryan. Oh, my God. It almost makes like a great movie. It does. We could write it. Uh, Jay Leno. Okay. And Ellen, Ellen DeGeneres. Yeah. You could just tell she is yeah. a, a very healthy six. Yeah, she's always giving to people and wanting to be there for people. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, now, the six suffers not from that depressive, uh, deep-feeling, heart triad thing that the four does. <laughs> you know, the six suffers from fear. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're fear is a big thing, right? Feeling persecuted. Yes, yeah. they're in the fear triad. So the healthier one gets, um, if they are in the six, you never leave your number. You never like, oh, I've arrived. Now I'm not uh, in the unhealthy six anymore. Now I'm a two or I'm a, no, you're always going to be that dominant number, but there's a place to grow for growth. Yeah. Uh, then you've got the seven. Oh, yeah. Tell us about that, the seven. Well, that would be the enthusiast or the adventurer. Mm-hmm. Uh, they usually happen to be extroverted. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are they are quite optimistic. Uh, they're spontaneous. So this is the person who will take you to the party. If, if they could be doing something right now, and if somebody says, "Hey, there's a party going," let's go. That's right. Let's party. That's right? right. High spirited. Um, Usually fun. Yeah, very fun. These are the people who can tell you a right. good story, and they're not the ones that are having the, the discussion in the corner. They're the ones that are like the busy bees. Oh, they're, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're hopping. 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 Yeah, the other night we were at a party, and, and my friend Mary, who's a seven, was just hopping around. We were doing, we were singing Christmas carols, what, and I looked up, and there she is dancing all around the whole courtyard. Just a seven, just a happy seven. Um, I love the, I love sevens. Everyone should have friends for seven. But here's the downside, right, the, the, the low side of seven, is that the reason that they're hopping and they're buzzing around and, and just are so adventurous is because they're trying to escape pain or dealing with any, uh, uh, dealing with pain. Mm-hmm. And they believe a childhood lie that says life will be okay tomorrow. Right. Look so on that the, created some anxiety because yes. it was never, it feels good today. Right. It's going to be tomorrow. Right. Um, right. They don't want to deal with the pain, so they will go to the next thing, very future-oriented. So they're opposite from the six that you can count on, you know, in the average space of six. In the seven, it's hard in that average space to count on them. Growth happens, and, uh, of course, you can count on sevens. Like, you can count on anybody who's in a healthy spot. Sure, Uh, but eventually, if they are not satisfied with the next thing. Right they can start leaning towards unhealthiness and that's where addiction starts setting in, right? Yeah. That's when excess. That's right. That's too much. That's right. So going to too many places, but not dealing with the responsibilities. Right. That could be very unhealthy. Right. So it doesn't have to be like addiction, like drug or alcohol addiction. It could be just busy addiction or shop shopping addiction, uh, you know, all kinds of, even book addiction, like, you know, someone who's got to run from book to book and, you know, it, it, it's just that unhealthy place of never um, having enough. It's different than the four of never being enough. The seven has never seemed like having enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Or I have to go to the next party because at the next party, that's where I'm right. going to really be happy. Right. I might find so-and-so there. And what if I miss so-and-so, right? Yeah. A treasure yeah. chest full of wings. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Number eight, the challenger. And uh, you and I have uh, acquaintances who are eights. <laughs> but you know what I have found? I have found that some of my closest friends are eights. And I've been trying to figure out why fours and eights get along so well. They're on the same uh, line together. Is that what it is? Because, yeah. Um, yeah, I guess uh, when... Well, when a four, well, we won't get into the where you get go yeah. to hell. That's yeah. for the next episode. But eights are self-confident. Yes. Uh, strong, but they also happen to be assertive. So if we are in a staff meeting, they're the ones that are going to speak up. Right. And it's their ideas. Right. Um, it's not so much the three. The three is not going to uh, insist on their ideas. Right, but right, the right. eight, um, it's going to be straight talking yeah. and decisive. 
because they know yeah. how to get things done. And, and the eight welcomes conflict, you know, uh, doesn't see conflict in itself as a problem, which conflict isn't in itself a problem. But a lot of the different personalities shy away from conflict. Eight does not shy away. It's like, come on, let's go at it. Okay, let's see. Let's have a contest here. But then becomes they want to control others. Exactly. It's got to be their ideas. Exactly. And it's not really an, an inquiry into, I want to know what you think. Right. Let me tell you what I think. Exactly. Yeah. And so obviously, I think the strengths there are obvious. Many leaders are eights. You can be a leader if you're any other number, but there are many eights who are leaders. Yeah, Franklin D. Roosevelt, Winston Churchill. Uh, Martin Luther King, um, you know, John McCain was a good example yeah. of that. And for those who follow politics lately, Donald Trump. Is right? he an eight? He's, a, he's an eight. Uh, I'm not surprised. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Are you, see, I, I knew right away Donald Trump is you an know eight. What? The you question know what, Izzy, is, I don't, I don't think, I don't think much, I don't spend much time thinking about our president. That's oh, what it is. So I, I, I spend too much time. <laughs> that is, that's where I go to my unhealthiness. <laughs> Um, Aretha Franklin. Uh, and Respect. Yeah. Uh, John Wayne. John yeah. Wayne, a possible eight. And then, um, let me see, who else? Oh, Dr. Phil. Oh, Dr. Phil. Dr. Phil. You know, I would have thought Dr. Phil as an eight. I would have thought of him as a, but no, now that I'm thinking about it, yeah, he's, you know, he can be kind of pushy when you're like, yeah, yeah. you know, and yeah. the reason that you're crying is because yes. dun, dun, dun. Exactly. Yeah. Like no room for somebody else's voice. Yes. You know? That's an eight. That is an unhealthy eight. That's an unhealthy eight. Right. But we, we all love our eights and eights. We all need eights. We need eights to, to stand up and give their opinion and, and, and tell their story. The, the lie that they grew up believing is that um, you should never let them see you sweat. Never let them see you be vulnerable mm. because if they let their guard down, they're afraid that they will fall apart. And their problem is with relationships. They, it's not that they don't love people, but they don't want to be vulnerable. Yeah. They, when they do get a little vulnerable, if, if you let them down or they feel you're disloyal, anyway, that's it. No more. No more trust. And so that's a low side of eight. Whereas in the high side... They become merciful. Yes. They become the people that they are very natural leaders. Yes. Others look up to. Yes. And if an eight really strives to say, I want to be healthy. Yeah. Boy, talk about like people will follow you. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. And then finally, uh, number nine. Yeah. The and peacemaker. The peacemaker, also known as the mediator. Yeah. Right. The mediator, uh, the easygoing person. Uh, the person who is accepting, who is stable, who is trustworthy, they usually are optimistic. Um, they are quite supportive. But on the other end of being unhealthy, they can be highly repressed or, you know, they become just completely catatonic. Catat that's oh, that's a, in the that's lowest a, place. Yeah, that's yeah. at the lowest. That's yeah. On, yeah. Well, and the reason for that is because the people with the dominant nine personality are that way. Because they want to avoid conflict. Right. If the, if the eight wants to have conflict, the nine just like forget about right. it. The eight will put up his dukes or put up her dukes. The nine will just be like, okay, what, whatever you say. Oh, you want to go there? Sure. Oh, you want to do this? Sure. That's in the unhealthy spot. But um, the nines are, like you said, easygoing, easy to get along with usually. And the lie that they believed from childhood on is you're better seen but not heard. Mm. So if you want to bless a nine, if you want to uh, encourage a nine, coax them 
to give their voice, coax that voice out of them and help them to give an opinion. And if they do give an opinion and you're a friend with a nine, hop on it. Say, sure, we'll do that because they don't do it very often, you know? Yeah, and they they will tend to also minimize problems. Uh, no, my marriage is fine. Mm-hmm. When in reality, mm-hmm. it's not. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a healthy nine, uh, you are very... Uh, you feel autonomous, mm-hmm. uh, so mm-hmm. you 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 become fulfilled, and and you're also emotionally stable. Yeah, right. Yeah, we need nines. Hey, that's the truth. Is he isn't we we need all the personality types, and that's the and I think f- for me to do this podcast and to talk about the enneagram is to, to and because you and I have fun with this is to understand world can be so complicated. Um, nowadays it's so binary. Mm. It's you either left or you're right. Mm-hmm. You're a Republican or a Democrat. Yeah. You know, you're religious or not religious. Right. Um, you know, and, and the world is not just that way. And so I think for me, as we start, f- uh, focusing on the Enneagram and then talking about wings, right. talking about, for example, subtypes right. throughout the season, we're going to come to find out that just what we know, people can be complicated. That's right. But we can have wonderful relationships. That's right. We can have wonderful civil discussions in a world that sometimes feels like it's falling apart, but it's really not. Right. If we just, if we sort of look at, the, we use the Enneagram like a scaffolding mm. for a building. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that helps us to see, oh, mm-hmm. the building is not mm-hmm. going straight. Very we, good. We can just fix these few you know, pieces of of, uh, of of boards or these, Good. you know, few pieces of wall plaster to That's make it right. straight. So well said. Really, really well said. And I think that as we come to the close of our first uh, podcast, it's important to hang on to those last words for anybody listening and thinking about investigating the Enneagram with us and, and then also on your own. The Enneagram is a tool. I love the idea of it being a scaffolding. The Enneagram isn't the answer. Okay, but it's a tool and it's a really valuable tool. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like a hammer. Having a hammer on your own, just carrying it in the pocket doesn't do anything. But if you want to build a house, you need that hammer, right? And we who are aware that we are growing spiritually, we are growing emotionally, not just physically, you know, that we are in the world uh, and we are moving with greater and greater wholeness and health and we want to. We, we, will, we should use any tool we can. I, um, from a spiritual point of view, I'm, I'm a Christian, and I say, hey, Lord, you know, thank you for the Enneagram. Use it as a tool in your hand to transform me, to help me be aware of my unhealthy spots and, and, and wounds and help me groan through them, do the work, and then move into greater and greater realms of health and wholeness. And for me, uh, especially as a professor, I try to... Uh, really understand it's not a one-way. In other words, from a professor to a student, and I'm going to teach you, and that's all. That's right. But really nowadays, you have to really care about your students. You have to understand where they're coming from. You have to understand their story. Mm -hmm. And to try to help them from whatever wound happened and how they came to college to now you're going to go out into the world and you're going to fix 
all the things that we Gen Xers um, <laughs> messed up. But I, you know, it's to encourage. And for yes. me, I, I hope that that's what we do in this podcast. We have a few minutes left. Uh, can you believe it? 55 minutes? Wow. Went just like that. Wow. I know. Uh, so this will turn out to be a, an hour podcast. Please as uh, leave some comments wherever yeah. you find this podcast. Uh, it will be on SoundCloud. We'll try to get it on iTunes. And questions. Uh, yes. And leave their number. If you, we both, we told you all that we're both fours. Fours. Is, Israel and I know that we are in that four uh, personality dominance there. Check it out. If you don't know your number, do a little test, read, read up on the, on the Enneagram and, and tell us what your number is or what you think your number is. And so this, uh, this season of uh, this podcast season, hopefully we can do maybe, what do you want to do? 14 shows? That would be fun. 14. I like 14. 14, and hopefully around 9 or 10, we will have a big guest. Okay. Yeah. We won't tell you who it is. Oh, we will not. Because we don't know who it is. <laughs> I'm looking at you like, <laughs> who is that? We don't know who okay. it is. But I, I'm just, listen, I'm going to be positive, right? Okay. It's going to happen. That's great. We're going to have a we're gonna have a big I'll guest. I'll go along with that. <laughs> just believe it. I believe and it. And then, um, uh, you know, uh, please uh, leave some comments. And if right. you want to be a guest... On our podcast, let us know. Yeah. We love, and you don't have to be somebody famous. No, we're not famous. <laughs> you're famous. I'm not famous. You've written. Listen, you've written three books. Come on, come on, plug a little bit. You've you you're the author of uh, a trilogy, a yes. sci-fi trilogy. Well, it's called. It's called Within the Walls, yeah. and it's a trilogy that's futuristic, based on the year 2071. And I also wrote a book. My first book was called Communicating Love. Um, staying close in a 24-7 hyper-mediated society. But you're the famous one. You're the one whose mug was always on TV countless week after week after week after week. So you're you're the famous one. Only to my mother. <laughs> Only to my mother. She, to this day, still thinks that, um, you know, somehow I'm famous because I have videos on YouTube. So, Well, we're glad to be here with you. Listeners, we're very glad to be here with you. We wish you a wonderful day. We're, we're coming at you from sunny South Florida. Yes. We wish you some sunshine if you're in that dank, cold northeast. We love you. By the way, the music provided by uh, copyright-free music on YouTube. This one is called Fun. We had to find a fun song, so why not pick a song that the title is actually that? That's fun. Right. You That's like right. that? We had fun. I hope you did, too. All right. We'll catch you next time. Love you. Mean it. <laughs>